Leviathan Labs. Oh, okay. Okay, hello. Thank you for in- be- letting me interview you. Um, I guess you can introduce yourself and your role and things like that. Hi. Awesome. Well, I'm Jasmine Barnes. She, her. Um, I'm based in the United States. I work for an organization called Fuel Ed. Um, my role, I'm a partner, but my work really focuses around um, alumni care and community engagement work. Um, and yeah, our mission is basically to develop the emotional and social intelligence of educators so that they can support students, their colleagues, and, and their schools better. And in your opinion, why is it important to develop emotional intelligence, mindfulness, and the like um, within the field of education? Yeah, I think it's foundational, especially for adults. Um, We focus a lot on kids, but ultimately if the adults are not well rested, like emotionally intelligent, self-aware, you can't support a child, you know, like it's not possible. You can't give what you don't have. And so by really starting with the educator, with administrators, with school leaders, with practitioners, social workers, et cetera, like giving them the skills and support, that's the way that we ensure they're able to, you know, transfer that same level of care and attention to like their students and to their colleagues at, in the school environment. Um, so yeah, I think there's like a huge gap in terms of educator prep and just globally like really caring for educators who are asked to be parent figures, caregivers for so many young people every day. And especially is like important if you think about retention and like long-term commitment to the field and the profession. It's a huge burnout field, you know? It's kind of like you're a full well when you join and then like no one ever fills you up again. You know, you just pour out and then three years in, you're like, well, great, okay. I like can't do anything for myself anymore. I have no emotional like capacity left. Like I haven't slept (laughs) in years, you know? And you leave because there's no one pouring back into you. And so I think um, it's essential that there's structures and systems where we're consistently pouring into educators so they can stay in the field longer and support kiddos. That's actually interesting that you say that. I think that the there's like a slow creep towards social emotional well-being in the schools in Spain. But for the most part, it's interesting because teachers will talk to me and they'll say, he has a problem, you know, he he can, he just goes around everywhere. He has a problem. And they, it's like, they're almost there. They're like, yeah, this child has like hyperactivity issues or like this child has um, issues from like regulating their anger and their emotional well-being. And then so they'll say, things are bad at home. Um, something with the mommy. <laughs> very very funny but it's it's interesting that you say that it's also part of like teacher retention right like I worked in the U.S. and then I'm working in Spain and in the U.S. that's kind of like the main reason why teachers would quit other than classroom management is because they would be burnt out of having to be somebody's mother father everything in between every social ailment is kind of like education is the catch-all and then here it's almost the opposite Like, it's the same thing, like, you're still expected to deal with a lot of these issues, but I think that the social infrastructure of Spain is more um, able to hold all those little things. I was actually doing my Fulbright report today, and they asked um, what are the main issues in health and, like, whatever social well-being in the area, and I'm like, there really aren't any. I I work in a really, um, I guess, like, in the quote-unquote bad inner city area of my, my city, and... I was saying how like there's a there's a grocery store on every street and there's a park in every like you know 
next to the grocery store, there's a park. And then in between the park and the grocery store, there's a health center. There are two within like a, I think five or six mile radius. And you would never that's see amazing. that in the US, right? No, and that's like the worst part. I'm like, <laughs> that sounds like you have to pay like money to like a gated community to get access to that. It's amazing. Right? And so wow. I think that it's the, the same kind of idea mm. of the matern- like being maternal of your students and things like that and having to take care of them and like, seeing the problems at home come up in school are almost similar, but like not nearly as intense, mm-hmm. which like- And there's so many more social supports. That's the, that's the thing I think, like you said, education becomes a catch-all, mm-hmm. um, which I think again is a huge failing of like the United States as a country. <laughs> like let's name that. Yeah. It's not like an issue, it's not global. It's literally just like the country has no social services supports, like barely any. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like with schools closing, Yes. The, like I remember my colleagues like the first thing was like okay kids are gonna starve mm-hmm. kids are gonna be abused like those were the first two things it wasn't even about education it was like school is where you go to eat like if you don't have school you lost maybe the only meals you get period mm-hmm. and also like school is the one place you go or like if you come in with bruises or you come in like in a chaotic state unwell there's people there to monitor and to like name that you're not well mm-hmm. because our communities and our structures like don't provide us with food (laughs) and with like protection and so I think that was like to me a really yeah it's just a it's a it really illuminates like what education is asked to do and then you think about the funding that's there and you think about the access because it's not even money right like even now the government's throwing money into schools um but there's not the administration and like the the use of that money and like this old hierarchy of schools is so broken that even if you're getting millions of dollars into a really really needed like public school a lot of that money is not going to the right places teachers don't have authority about how they're using it and like there's just not we're not prioritizing educators <laughs> which is like the biggest failure like if the edu- it doesn't matter how fancy the laptop is for the kid if the educator like literally doesn't have the emotional capacity to show up or has 35 kids doesn't matter how good the technology is it's like not relevant you know it's really about that human relationship so I do think that like it sounds like countries like Spain who have a better social infrastructure the school like even though you might see the same behaviors because again kids are kids people are people there's like seven different routes that's that's being supported whether that's like through healthy diet at home that they have access to or like parents who are able to provide like emotional support or you know, like just all these social services that are collectively addressing some of that behavior and like some of those like tra- traumatized experiences kids have had. Um, it just makes it different. It makes it less urgent in some ways even for like an educator to be like the only source of comfort, support, parenting. It's kind of like there's other spaces, um, which I think the US could definitely, we need that, we could benefit from. It's interesting you said the the kids would starve. I keep forgetting, like when everyone's like, oh, COVID shut down the world, blah, blah. blah. I'm like thinking about it. I think I had like a week where I didn't go to school. And then Mm -hmm. I was like boxing up books for my kids and like dropping Mm -hmm. them at at, like parents' houses. Or Mm -hmm. I was volunteering um, and like friends too to like box up the food for them to pick up every Monday and every Thursday. And mm. I'm like, it, it really isn't just a place for kids to learn. It really is where you get almost everything. Everything, <laughs> literally, especially if you're like low income in the States, like 
school is literally everything. Like going to the nurse at school is like your only healthcare. You know what I mean? It's like literally the only way you're going to ever be seen by a doctor, the only way you're ever going to get food, the only way you're ever going to get access to basic, even to internet. You know what I mean? Like that was a huge disparity. Like, okay, we'll just log on. What laptop am I using and how the hell am I going to get internet? Because that's not a national thing. You know, it costs money and requires access to get internet. So school just literally provides like all of it. And when that when that structure was like, became like a breeding ground for COVID, you know what I mean? Like literally everything fell apart, um, which again, is just such a testament to just how poorly social services are built and also like how little we respect what schools are supposed to do. <laughs> like if you really want a school to be like a hospital, like a food hall, like a gym, like all of these things, you need to treat it like that. And we don't as a country. So I could go on that rant forever. Forever. <laughs> it's a big issue. It's a big issue. No, I, I get it. I forget. There was, a, there was somebody I briefly dated um, who was telling me how in Holland, it doesn't really matter. Like you can't, you can't go to private school. Like you can't ask for tuition um, for, from students and from parents. So it's illegal. And so all the rich kids and all the poor kids, they all go to the same school. And so you're forced to fund schools all the same way. Like you're really incentivized to like really fund the schools and have like equality amongst all of them, like whatever financial equality. Um, even there, obviously there are like issues there too, like where people live and how hard it is for them to get to school and then everything else too. But like, you know, the baseline of it, it's not like, okay, there's an amazing school and then five miles down the road, like the school doesn't have running water. That's genuinely how it is. Like that's how it was in Dallas. It's like, okay, my school has lead based paint. And then like 20 miles, like uh, in Highland Park, it's um, the kids all have hard smart boards and iPads and things like that. Or just so, and then even then there's like a change, right? Like you were saying that technology, it's not about your technology, it's about your human interaction. And I think that now is like a shift in where your money pays for more human to human interaction rather than like having an iPad or having a computer program. And I think a good example of that is in the schools, they pay for this program called iStation in Texas. And they, in the really, in schools that are Title I, they have this requirement, at least in Dallas, I state, they have this requirement, kids need to be on iStation for 20 to 40 minutes every day. And then we couldn't, like, you know, there's so much you do in the school day, you're teaching all the subjects. And so it would took the, take the place of learning how to read, like a, a reading, a real reading curriculum. You would just put them on iStation, they'd sit on the laptop or sit on the iPad for however long. And it made me think about how, like, in, with, like, you know, kids who are really wealthy or kids who are going to, like, a, a really wealthy school district you would have maybe more teaching assistants or maybe you'd have a private like private lessons or things like that or maybe you would have a dyslexia coordinator that would help and pull the students or you'd have multiple you wouldn't just have one for 260 kids you'd have like eight for the school right and like there's that shift too we're like now we have smart boards and we have ipads but like we don't have teachers so <laughs> there's like that movement there too that's interesting that you said that about it's not just like where you put your money in terms of your technology it's also like how that money is being allocated and used maybe it should be better used to like recruit teachers or to pay for somebody to get you know a master's in whatever maybe they get their SLP maybe they get their dyslexia like you know master's to be certified in that area and then help kids that need this because we really have like a one one person for the entire school district and they see the kids like once a week 
I mean, it's wild. We do the most, but it's so hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's wild. It's wild. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, there's that. God. Ah. Okay. My other question. Girl, we could get into this. It could be like a thirty, a through a through a conference. <laughs> uh, yeah, like a three-hour conference just about education. Honestly, literally, yeah. Um, another aspect of why I, I chose to do this podcast, and then also ask multiple different people from both my life, and then also Spain, is because I think that it's really hard to capture like a perspective, like the one a, a one perspective of education. Like I don't think there really is any one real answer to like mm. what education is I think it really depends on your experiences within the field um and so I guess in your opinion hmm, what are like what are the biggest challenges we talked about the biggest challenges so what's like the next step what are the solutions like what are we gonna do <laughs> what is what should be in the forefront of our minds as people who are educators supporting educators working in education Ooh, what are we gonna do what's the what are we gonna do <laughs> well I mean I think I think that there's sort of two perspectives, right? Well, there's like a global perspective and there's like a local perspective. So if I'm speaking about the United States, mm-hmm. um, yikes, you know? <laughs> I think it's important to remember that like the education system as it exists was like extremely racist, mm-hmm. extremely patriarchal, extremely like every ism that it, you can imagine. That was the foundation for education, right? It was a way to like, increase your class standing it was only for white men it was only for etc 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 and it's evolved right to to be accessible quote-unquote accessible to everyone at this point but the inequities because of how it was designed are stark um and so i think there's just like acknowledging that that's still alive like i think we feel like oh brown v board happened in the 60s and like it's all done like racism's we're done with it we did it like integration schools but it's just not true you know what i mean um these inequities are still extremely alive the way that we do so many things in schools is um is very like very very racist and very very like sexist um and so i really feel like that's the heart of a lot of the problems in our country and therefore a lot the heart of a lot of the problems in our schools um and there's just a need to like name that i think at the very least which again people don't want to do um and then to as much as possible like i mean there's kind of two within the country there's sort of like two sorry it's so everyone's just being very loud there's kind of like two um approaches to like addressing it like i think one is this idea of reform where it's really like bringing in that awareness right like anti-racist curriculum and like changing school policies to be like less like sexist and discriminatory for like preteen girls bodies and like all these things you can do to change what the school environment feels like and to change the way that teachers see their job and their role not as like prison guards but as like you know secure attachment figures for their kiddos um and so i do feel like in a lot of ways work that i do right now is about reform and so it's about changing how educators see themselves how they see the role of education as like human development not as like compliance you know control basically like how do you get a kid to sit still like how do you get a kid to like fill in bubbles like that's not the point of education at all in fact all of that is really a distraction from the real role which is to develop them into human beings who have autonomy and critical thinking and you know values and morals um 
so like that's our that's the work that I'm a part of right now is more of a like reform approach like supporting educators reimagining what their role is in the school and creating that awareness too of like remember like you're the structure was not meant for you to do these things <laughs> like the structure was not meant for you to have a relationship with your child with your student like it really wasn't you know if you have 35 kids and you're supposed to be doing all this curriculum and you have all these tests and the structure itself is built against you to have that connection and to care for yourself like it wasn't designed well and so there's like that awareness and then like sort of bringing in these sort of tools and these sort of supplemental supports to help them navigate that inequitable system and that's what we do. And I think there's value to that, right? I think that's there's huge value to figuring out how do you um, slowly and thoughtfully change a system which has happened over the last whatever 300 years, right? Like where where you know schooling started 300 years ago in the United States and where it is today are like two entirely different universes, which mm-hmm. is amazing. And that's because of really really slow progress. And so I think in some ways that's what we're doing is like it's that slow progress of like mind change changing how you see education how you see your role in it what you believe you deserve and what you need to succeed in it um and and being responsive to like the current political cultural climate so there's value there and i think that it's good there's progress happening every single day the other side of it i think that's people are you know i totally get is like burn it down (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna ask you i was like do you burn it down (laughs) (laughs) there's like both sides and i see the value like i think that you know um i really do see the value in reform and i do believe Mm -hmm. that there's nothing wrong with a life committed to that you know my friend and i would talk a lot that she works for the naacp's legal defense fund we talk a lot about like the work that they've done over like over you know the last 200 years 150 years since they were founded um to literally change this country. Like without that group organizing and moving slowly, 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 um, I wouldn't have this job. You know what I mean? Like the world would not be what it is. So I do believe in that. And I also really legitimately feel that piece of like the whole country needs to be transformed. (laughs) Like burn it down and rebuild the whole thing, you know? Um, I get that sentiment a lot. and, And I do really respect and understand parents, families, communities who are like unschooling and like taking their children out of these institutions. Like I completely get that, you know, the need for, yeah, to be like, okay, my kid's not going to school. I'm gonna like make a little school community here and like teach them like anti-racist approaches to how to survive this country. I totally get that. It makes a lot of sense to me. Um, So again, it's kind of, it's complex. And I think that like different people are, Um, very loud and back are navigating this in different ways um, but right now where I am and it is in this place of like reform is in, in, and I don't even know if it's, I feel like I'm a reformer like because <laughs> again even that I think requires a level of vision and like um, planning and like strategy I don't know if I'm into like investing there that's a lot of investment for something that will have mixed results <laughs> to me it's more like making change where you can with with passion and with commitment um and consistently naming and like redoing how people think so much of this is about like the ways in which you've been brainwashed brainwashed and coded and stressed like we're in a state like not the nat ministry talks about this a lot um she's a woman based in atlanta actually Mm -hmm. but does a lot of work around rest and around like you know that rest has been stolen from us that like capitalism like this workaholic culture is like toxic 
but I do believe that it's this combination A of like these these myths and these narratives we've been told as educators, as children, as parents about what school is, about what learning is and about what it means to be a human that are lies. Mm -hmm. And there's the other piece too of like, we're exhausted. We're so tired. We can't dream, we can't imagine, we can't reform, we can't recreate. We're just tired. And so we're defaulting to kind of that brainwashing. So I feel like a lot of my work and this work is about changing those narratives. Like these are narratives are lies, they're not true. (laughs) These are other narratives to replace them and then giving people the support to actually rest so that they can be open and willing and able to try new things, to absorb new ideas. Um, Because the ripple effects of that, I do believe, can change the world. Um, So yeah, I don't know what what you would call that. I don't feel like I'm necessarily a reformer and I'm definitely not burning it down. But I, I really do believe in that, just in the same way that we say an educator is like that interpersonal touch point yeah. that in some ways myself and my my team, like we are that for people, creating those moments of like reshaping how they understand the world, themselves, their schools, and their roles as like educators and support figures for kids, um, which I think has like inherent value mm-hmm. and can really, 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 really change things in a deep way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are some, those are many, many reflections, but that's more of a US focus. And I think when you look at the world, the conversation is so different. You know what I mean? Depending on what country you're in, like even some of the, yeah, a lot of our issues are very about the US, you know? Like they're very, very US focused. And I think there's other issues globally, like educating like women and girls and like non-men, right? Like that's a huge weight. Like there's so many illiteracy, like I mean, in our country as well, which is really like to me, horrific that so many people cannot read um, or read at an extremely low level as adults. But then globally, like illiteracy is like huge. There are so many people who will never know how to read. So again, I think it's like a lot of my experiences in our nation, but I do feel like there's a much bigger trend around the needs of the the globe. And so it's kind of hard sometimes even to speak beyond the United States because every system is so different and because the needs me and equities are so unique i yeah you just you really hit on all of it honestly because that is the truth of it is that many of the issues in the united states surrounding education are really around like embedded racism and like having people acculturate through schools to puritanical values values and capitalism within the united states like that's i I took a whole like master's course on that and i was like wow like my brain is melting like here you are when you're a kid you think like Mm -hmm. i go to school Stealing my ABCs and Mm-mm. and it's not that at all. <laughs> you know, nope. and then how that doesn't really like maybe that doesn't that does exist to an extent. I think like obviously like here even in the Canary Islands, you like they have it's almost it's so strange. They have like a shrine to Christopher Columbus because they're like oh like he started here in the Canary Islands and then he went and discovered America and like we love him so much right and then you. And then it, it's all about, it's another thing of like a structures of power and like how, who wins, who wins tells history and determines education. So I'm like, I, it's hard to pinpoint exactly like where or like what the main issue is, like country to country, people to people, person to person. I think in the US, it kind of is really centered around like the one, like, you know, we've, talk, we've talked about the catch-alls and like how education has shifted into something that, you know, isn't really you know, the purpose of learning. And then in other countries, like I think the same thing still exists, but like almost never talked about just because you don't really, so you don't really have like, 
na- like true native Canarians here. Like I would re- I would really love to know the perspective of somebody who had been who has like a family history of like having been colonized because we actually have a book I have a book that I read my kids in Dallas about how um, these you know like Aboriginal people would be taken from their home and then forced to like dress differently, shave their head, never talk to their parents again, and go to school and then have a number. I think the book was called My Name Is Not a Number. And so I like wonder if this something similar happened here. And like that's on me to like do the history. But like even walking the streets, like I live in a really beautiful part of Las Palmas. Um, but I like it's like a one minute walk away from like the house of Columbus. Colon, Casa de Colon. Like <laughs> It's just so odd. <laughs> like, I wonder, like, do, do we even think about any of this? Like, do the, do the kids think about this? <laughs> do they feel these effects to the adults? And I, that you're, I, you say that you're not a reformer, but I feel like you probably are on that side, right? Like, you, it's like the light that comes off, it goes off in people's heads. You don't know what you don't know. And then, yeah, exactly. Like, you can't stop seeing it. Yes, that's the piece. It, it's like planting an idea in someone's mind it's like a seed it's like i like to use earth metaphors right but it literally is it's like you're planting a seed and this sort of fertile this for this soil that's in someone's mind but then to me the piece of like rest wellness safety is like the water the nourishment that allows that thing to grow the sunlight you know um and so i do feel like in some ways my job feel like work is both it's like let me plant this seed in you and then let me give you all the conditions so that thing can grow naturally right like sunlight and the water and the da, 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 and like keeping the birds away so they don't pick out the seed like it's you're doing all that work to just allow that person to let the thing naturally blossom mm-hmm. um and that to me is amazing you know like that to me is like a really really powerful thing mm-hmm. so yeah but again i think in some ways it's like the person i don't have like some like 20 year like whatever 50 year strategy for how we can transform <laughs> But I do feel like when you plant that seed in someone, they might have the idea for their community. Again, we don't need some kind of like global education revolution. <laughs> like every every single town, I mean, even the United States can comparably like, if you look at a school in Georgia versus a school in California versus a school in Chicago, in Illinois, incomparable, so different, you know, a charter school versus a public school versus a private school so different like the politics the needs whatever um the demographics of the city the demands of like the rural versus urban environment there's not like an answer but people have the answers right it's just about planting these really basic ideas about what it means to be human what we all deserve as human beings what what education can and should be and then just giving them like the conditions to let that 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 grow within themselves you know so to me that is like if there's a vocation i have it's to do that kind of work and to keep growing up for myself so I can keep planting new ideas, keep getting myself nourished so I can keep doing this this work with other people. That's perfect. You are doing the work as they say. And I think that we should all strive to do something I think meaningful in our lives. So, yeah. And thank you for talking to me about this. I think I'm going to end us out there. I think it's a really positive note. I'm Yay. still gonna chat with you though. So <laughs> yes, I know. I love it. I'm so glad. I, did I give you what you needed? Do you have your like little soundbite?